Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the hydration watermelon smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. I am going to go on the assumption that you know that Audible.com is one of the leading providers of audio entertainment and information. Uh, I do not know uh, whether you know they have more than audiobooks. They've got uh, podcasts and Audible originals and just a whole bunch of other um, spoken audio programs that you can enjoy. So uh, we are offering a free trial. You can go to audibletrial.com slash business growth, sign up for the free trial and explore, look around, see what's there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Uh, this podcast um, over the years has uh, gained recognition as a great resource for uh, business, entrepreneurship, sales, leadership, uh, if it has anything to do with business, uh, I think I have had a guest on here or two who have um, covered the topic. And uh, the recognition that we have gained is really because of those guests. These are folks with expertise in a particular area of business, and they join me to have a conversation where they share that expertise with all of you. That way you can get the answers you need, you can get connected to these folks, uh, you can uh, take the lessons you learn and implement them in your business and hopefully uh, be more successful and see greater results. Today is no different. My guest today is Brian Ahern. Brian is the Chief Influence Officer at Influence People. He is an international keynote speaker and specializes in, in applying the science of influence in everyday situations. Brian is one of only 20 individuals in the world who currently holds the Cialdini Method Certified Trainer designation. designation. 
I have trouble speaking today. Brian's book, Influence People, Powerful Everyday Opportunities to Persuade that are Lasting and Ethical, is an Amazon bestseller and his LinkedIn courses have been viewed by more than 90,000 people. Thanks so much for joining me today, Brian. It's my pleasure, Diane. I look forward to sharing with your audience. Well, I look forward to um, this conversation that we're going to have now. Um, for you, uh, people actually stands for powerful everyday opportunities to persuade that are lasting and ethical. And I have to tell you that I, I love that. I, I think that is uh, really awesome. Um, and, and so I, I think my first question is, can you share some about why um, understanding influence is something that is powerful? Sure. Um, and, and thank you uh, for the compliment on the acronym. I don't remember when I came up with it, but when I did, it was like a light bulb coming on. I'm like, holy cow, this is perfect for what I do. Um, it's powerful because everything that we talk about, and when I say we, I talk about the other Cialdini trainers and myself specifically, everything that we talk about is based on research. This is not Brian Ahern's good advice. This isn't let me tell you what worked for me or look at that person and what worked for them. This is based on empirical data from more than seven decades of research from social psychology and more recently behavioral economics. Uh, I would liken it to this. If you wanted to get healthy, you could talk to your neighbor and they might give you some decent advice, but you'd be better off looking at what research has to say from maybe exercise physiology and dietitians and knowing that that actually works on large numbers of people. And so that's why I say it's powerful. Got it. Okay. And, and you say it's an everyday skill. So can you explain that? Like, Sure. Uh, we use the skill of influence every single day. And I like oh. to often say from womb to tomb, we are trying to get people to meet our needs. You know, a baby doesn't know exactly what it's doing or why it's doing it. But when a baby comes out of the womb, it cries. It might want to be fed or held or burped or changed, but it has a need it's trying to get met. And as we grow into adults, we learn different ways that we try to get our needs met. Um, some people learn how to do it well and some don't, but it is a skill that we're using every day. And I often share a quote from a book called To Sell is Human, which is uh, written by Dan Pink. And in the book, he cites a survey of more than 7,000 American business workers who were asked the question, how much of your day do you spend trying to influence, persuade, or convince people not related to making a sale? So these non-salespeople came back and said about 40% of their day, they're trying to get people to do things for them. So if you're going to use a skill throughout your life and it's that, you're going to be using it that much in business, it's probably important that you learn how to do it well. Okay. I just love that, doing it well. And you said that, you know, it doesn't mean that people are necessarily doing it well. So like, what would be an example of, of someone not, doing it well oh manipulating <laughs> uh, <laughs> trying, okay. trying to simply get their needs met without considering the other person saying or doing anything to make the sale to get them to do what you want because that's it's all about you 
And then there are other people who generally want to do the right thing, but they don't know how to go about doing it. And I'll give an example. Um, There's been, there there used to be things floating around on Facebook and the internet that would talk about something that's really worthy, uh, you know, helping to raise awareness for cancer. But people would put something on there like, um, you know, I hate cancer. I've lost loved ones. 97% of my friends won't have the guts to repost this. Will you? Well, that's going about persuasion exactly wrong. Because once you've said 97% of people won't do this, you've just convinced just about everybody that they shouldn't do it. On top of it, you've layered in guilt, which people resist. And so a well-meaning message gets destroyed because somebody doesn't understand how people think and behave and how to influence. Oh, boy, that's a great example. Okay. So talk to me about persuasion because I'm curious what, what, you know, how you define persuasion. It's a good question because I think it's really important when you're communicating with people, whether it's how we're doing here with your audience, or if you're communicating internally with your organization, that when you use words, everybody knows what they mean. When it comes to persuasion, I'm sure if I ask 10 of your listeners, I might get 10 different answers. Uh What I commonly hear people say is uh, persuasion is trying to convince somebody or to change somebody's thinking. And I usually challenge that a little bit because I'll give them an example and I'll say, if you were to tell your son or daughter to clean their room, would you want them to A, say mom or dad, that's a good idea, or B, get in there and clean their room? And everybody laughs usually when you're speaking to an audience, they get it, right? They don't want their kid to say that's a good idea. They want them to go clean their room. So what I say is what you're really looking for is behavior change. And I think the best definition of persuasion comes from Aristotle, the famous Greek philosopher, who said persuasion was the art of getting someone to do something that they wouldn't ordinarily do if you didn't ask. And, and so it really, it's, you know, changing someone's mind or changing their thinking about an issue might be a start, but it's not enough if they don't ultimately change their behavior toward that issue. Oh, that is fascinating. Wow. Okay. Now, the indus- well, the industry that I came out of, I spent most of my career in was insurance. And, and everybody knows there's a problem with distracted driving, texting and driving. Mm-hmm. And, and if I were to stand in front of an audience and really share some compelling information to persuade them or convince them that it's a bad thing to text and drive, it's all for naught if they get in their car and they text and drive, right? I, I, I don't want to just convince them it's a problem. I want them to change their behavior. And, and I think everybody can relate to that too, that it's just quite often it's not enough to change someone's thinking if behavior change doesn't follow. Okay. So how do you get them to change their behavior? I mean, that, that, that feels like... Um, a, a loftier goal. It is. And, but this is what we teach people. This is where the psychology of persuasion comes in. And we talk about uh, psychological triggers that are proven to get more people to say yes and do what you want them to do. Now, let me start with this. It's not a magic wand. It doesn't get everybody to do everything you want all the time. But the research is very clear that you can move significantly more people 
to do what needs to be done by ethically tapping into this psychology. So whatever the situation is, you know, my encouragement is people having to step back and then look for the principles that would be most applicable in a situation that they find themselves and then bring those principles into their communication to ultimately make it easier for people to say yes to them. Okay. Can you give me an example of what that would look like? Sure. Um, one principle that we talk about is the principle of reciprocity. Reciprocity describes the uh, feeling of obligation that we have to give back to people who first give to us. So when we're wanting someone to do something, if we can do anything in advance that genuinely benefits them, they are more likely to ultimately do something for us. And here's, here's a, another example that I remember going around from social media. There was a uh, quote and a picture of the rapper Eminem. And it said something like, um, I don't care if you're gay, straight, black, white, male, female. If you respect me, I will respect you. And, and everybody was applauding that as if it was, you know, some great quote. <laughs> and, and with my training and influence, what I said was, shouldn't it really be? I don't care if you're male, female, gay, straight, black, white. I will respect you. I hope you'll respect me. Yeah. In other words, in other wow. words, I give what I hope you will give to me, but I take that first step. And when I do that, quite often, relationship starts to build, people become open because it is a natural phenomena for people to feel an obligation to give back in some shape or form when someone has first done something for them. Wow, that makes so much sense. I really like that a lot. It's, you know, it's interesting. You say it makes sense. And sometimes when I share this information, people go, well, that's just common sense. Yeah. Well, common sense is uncommon then because yeah. <laughs> most people, most people don't think about it in the terms that I just put it. And so what they're doing the whole time is waiting for somebody to show them respect. Yeah. And they'll show, but no, whether it's time, cooperation, effort, wh whatever that is that you're hoping somebody will do, be the first to give and trust that many, many people will respond in kind because that's how human societies raise their people. Social psychologists are in complete agreement on this. Every human society raises its people in the way of reciprocity because societies know they can get much more accomplished together than they can alone. I, I really, I mean, this just makes so much sense. So, so you do it really untethered. You, you do it, you have to do it without an expectation. You have to do it because it's the right thing to do without an expectation that you are going to get something. Exactly. It's right? not, it is not a give to get mentality. You described it well. I always tell people it's not a give to get. It is a give mentality. It's the best way to live life, but you can trust that when you need help, you can begin to survey your network of people that you have genuinely helped over time. And when you see people who have the right skill set, many of them will be more than willing to help you because you've first done something to better their life. Yeah. 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 Okay. So um, talk to me some about like the opportunities. What opportunities are people missing to persuade? Well, when you don't understand 
the language and the science of persuasion, you're not going to see the opportunities that usually are presenting themselves. I often share this with audiences. I'll ask the question, how many of you have bought a new car in the last few years? Lots of hands go up. And then I'll say, wasn't it the case in the days and weeks after you bought your car that all of a sudden you began to see your car everywhere? It's as if everybody went out and bought your car. Yeah. But, but we know that didn't happen. So I ask, what changed? And they all get it. They'll either say their focus or their perspective. They began to see something that had been there all along, but they just hadn't noticed it. And it's that way when you begin to learn the psychology of persuasion. For example, I just used the term reciprocity. Once people really start to understand, they begin to see how they're responding almost automatically to reciprocity. And now they can also start to envision, oh, here's an opportunity that I never thought of before that I could engage this to make it easier for that person to say yes to me if I needed their help. So it's about you know, developing sight, I guess you could say, to see the opportunities that are really out there right now, but you don't have a frame of reference because you don't necessarily understand the psychology. Okay. Okay, thank you for, for explaining that. Okay, I'm gonna take a quick sponsor break and then I have some more questions for you. All right. Uh, Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by audible.com. Uh, now, while audible.com has thousands of audiobook titles uh, to choose from, they also have podcasts, guided meditations, news, audible originals, uh, you know, uh, you name it. If you can listen to it, it's probably on there. And I would love to share, so I will, that Brian's book, Influence People, is one of those great audiobooks that you can find on audible.com. So uh, pick up your free trial, go to audibletrial.com slash business growth, get your free trial and explore all of the opportunities you have to listen to some really great content and then, you know, play around with it. Try listening in one place and then picking it up someplace else. I think you'll notice that it's really easy. You don't have to go back to the beginning. You don't lose your place. Uh, it's, it's seamless. Um, so check it out explore, figure out, uh, find all of those uh, gems of things that are valuable for you. Today we are speaking with Brian Ahern about powerful everyday opportunities to persuade that are lasting and ethical. Now, we talked before about influence and persuasion and how um you know it's about you know changing behavior and whatnot but i'm curious about how it is that influencing someone can lead to lasting change well sometimes when you attempt to influence somebody it changes their self-identity uh, a personal story i can share with you is when I was in college, I was the president of the Miami University Weightlifting Club. I was a competitive powerlifter. When I got out of college, I was a competitive bodybuilder for a while. I loved the gym and I hated running, or so I thought. Well, after I stopped competing, many years later, a friend who was a fitness trainer convinced a number of us that we could run the Columbus Marathon. 
and I didn't want anything to do with it at first, but he persisted, so did my wife, and I started running. And then something interesting happened. I fell in love with it. And all of a sudden, I started reading Runner's World, and I'm getting the shoes and the shorts, and I'm getting in 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons. I ended up running half a dozen marathons. The interesting thing, Diane, was my friend never had to persuade me to run again. Because once I fell in love with it, once my self-identity changed and I saw myself as a runner, I naturally did what runners do. Sometimes when we attempt to persuade another person, it can touch their core and change their self-identity. Maybe some of your listeners have kids who struggle in school, but perhaps they get them a tutor or they do something to help them and they get that first A and they like how it feels and they begin to think of themselves as smart and they start doing what the smart kids do. It takes on a life of its own. And that's a beautiful thing because then you don't have to go back and time and time again, keep persuading the person over the same issues. Okay, so that is so interesting because part of what I heard was that, that if, if someone is um, compelling in, I'm going to say influence, well, I was going to say getting you too, but I'll say influencing another person to do something that it feels to me like what I heard you say was the lasting change comes from the person having that light bulb go off and saying, okay, this, you know, that, it, that it's internal to the person who was influenced. Correct. Because quite often when we are influenced, we will self-generate reasons for why we're doing what we're doing. So, for example, if somebody asked you to donate to a cause, you may make that donation, but you'll also justify to yourself why it was the right thing to do. And the more that that happens internally with you, the more you convince yourself it was the right thing to do, and you, the more likely you are next time to maybe make a donation or volunteer your time. So, um, human beings, we're very good at, at generating reasons for why we do what we do, even if they're not always the right reasons or the correct reasons, but we will self-justify. And when that happens, that's where we can find our self-identity changing to be in line with the actions that we've taken. Okay. I'm, I'm really glad we just had that exchange because I think it's important for people to realize that influence isn't about consistent um i can't even think of the word i want and pressure comes to mind but that's not even it's not like a drip 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 method where influencing someone means that you are like constantly going at them until they change correct um the more you use the word consistent, and there's a principle that we call the principle of consistency, which says we people feel an internal psychological pressure and an external social pressure to be consistent in what we say and what we do. Most of us don't like to give our word and then have to back out. Usually once we give our word, we work pretty hard to, to live up to our word first and foremost, because we feel better about ourselves. And second, we know we look better to the people that we might've made a commitment to. When you understand this and you are trying to influence somebody, the more that you can line up, whatever you're asking of them, the more you can line that up with what they already believe, 
what they think, what they feel, what they've said, what they've done in the past. The more you can align that, the easier it is for them to say yes, because it's right in line with who they are. A visual could be this. Uh, when I used to work in downtown Columbus, and I lived about 15 miles outside of the city, if my wife had texted me and said, hey, stop at the store to pick up some milk. If the store was right along the way, where I could literally just get off the highway, pop in the store, and then get back on, it was very easy to say yes. It was right in line with what I naturally did. If I was going to have to go way out of the way on the outer belt, I probably was going to say no. So think about when you're asking somebody, can you make it right in line with what they've already said, done, believe, what they think, what they feel? Then it becomes very easy for them to say yes. But if you're going way outside what they've ever said or done or believe, much more difficult to persuade them. Okay, that's really interesting. Okay. And you say there are seven principles of influence. Can you share what some of them are? Sure. Well, we've talked about reciprocity, the yeah. obligation we feel to give back. Another principle is called the principle of liking. Now, this will come as no surprise to anybody listening to the podcast. It's easier for us to say yes to those we know and like. And this is where people think, oh, duh, this is just common sense. But here's where people make the mistake. It's not about me getting you to like me, Diane. It really is about me coming to like you. Now, for sure, if you like me, you're more likely to say yes. But the real key here is if I can convince myself and come to like you, when you see that, when you sense that deep down, well, we all kind of believe friends do right by friends, you become far more open to whatever I might ask of you. And that is a huge difference maker versus the person who's just saying or doing anything to get you to like them. So my advice to listeners is don't, don't go out and try to get people to like you. Go out with a mindset that says, how can I come to like these other people? And that when they sense that, they become much more open to whatever you may ask. That's fascinating. As you were saying that, I was thinking to myself, it's the trust thing. Mm -hmm. that, that people really only trust you when they genuinely believe that you are, that you care about them. Yep. And, and the great thing about this is um, the very same things that will make you like me will make me like you. So when I tap into something like what we have in common, uh, maybe, maybe we um, grew up in the same hometown or went to the same college, you'll naturally like me a little bit more, but mm -hmm. I, I will also like you more. If I can find something to genuinely compliment you about, well, you'll feel good about that, but I'm convincing myself that you're a good person. So the very same psychology that's working on you to like me is convincing me what a good person you are. But, but again, there's a subtle shift of the mind that you need to have, which is saying, I'm going to go into the situation to look for every opportunity that I can to come to like this person. Because if nothing else, I will at least enjoy my interaction more. But then the icing on the cake is if they turn and come to like me, we can accomplish so much more together. Hmm. Okay. I really like that a lot. Now, this is going to sound probably like a strange question, but... If you can't find something to like in someone, does that mean that you can't influence them? No, it doesn't. Uh, but let me, I'll start with, if you can't find something to like in somebody, I would say that you haven't looked long enough or hard enough. 
I'm a believer that there's, there's good in everybody and we just need to uncover it. I would tell your listeners, take it as a challenge. That person who seems to be so difficult for everybody, part of their response to everybody is a self-defense mechanism that if they put, put forth that vibe, they can justify. Um, but what I have found is when you can break through with those people, um, it's amazing what can end up happening in those relationships. So um, just keep digging because again, I, I do believe there's, there's good in everybody. And if you can find that one thing to compliment, you might be the only person who's complimented them for who knows how long, but when you begin to see how they might respond to, to somebody like who, who offers a compliment, that's where everything begins to change. That's really great. I, as you were saying that, I could think of situations um, that I have been in where, you know, someone is really challenging, but when you really look at it, you can see, or, you know, I guess if you choose to look at it, you can see that they're, they're overcompensating for something else, you know, that, they, that they're uncomfortable in the situation or they're insecure or whatever it is, you know, that they're, it's not that they're just obnoxious. It's that there's something else underlying. And, and, you know, when you work with somebody, maybe they're, maybe they nitpick everything. They find fault. And, and again, you could say, you know what, nothing is perfect. Maybe I can go back to that person and say, um, you know what, I really appreciate your attention to detail. Uh, it it doesn't always feel good to hear that something was off, but thank you because we were able to get it corrected. You know, we need people like you. Yeah. A person might think like, holy cow, really? Wow. Um, to where that can become a superpower, not something that people all look at as, as negative. Because if you have that conversation with that person and they begin to open up, you might now have an opportunity to say, you know, if you went about it this way, Maybe more people would receive what you have to say. Well, of course, they want to feel value, right? And so they're probably now open to what it is that you're sharing about how they could communicate that in a way that's easier for people to receive. That's going to be a much better working relationship than just dismissing the person as too nitpicky, uh, never on board with everything. Yeah, what you were just describing was influence. Mm hmm you are able to then influence the person's behavior in, in a way that is better for them. Yep, because once you've given them that compliment and they see you as slightly different, they, they see that you value what they're doing, they begin to feel differently towards you, they become a little bit more open. Now, it's yeah. still going to be delicate. You don't just then kick the door down and say, let me tell you all the stuff that you were doing wrong. But, but you have now are on a path to potentially changing that person's behavior. And it started with that principle of liking. You looked for something you could genuinely compliment. They received it. And now the relationship's beginning to change. This feels like something that I, I could imagine some of the listeners are thinking, boy, this, this sounds tough. This sounds like a lot of work. Is that it? It it is in the sense that it goes against the grain of most people's natural inclinations. Um, I had an interesting experience and I write about this in my book where um, when I was new to Twitter, I had reached out to a number of people and said, Hey, I just posted this. Would you mind sharing it with your followers? And I had one person come back and say, um, don't, or he, he actually put out in the public space. I had messaged him, but he put in the public space, uh, don't, 
ask me to retweet your things, pound tacky, pound unfollow, meaning you're tacky to all of his followers, unfollow this guy. Wow. My natural inclination was to reach through the internet and grab him by the throat. <laughs> um, but, I, but I stopped and I thought, you know, here's an opportunity to try to do something different and see if I can put into practice all the things that I teach and get a different outcome. So I, I put out a message in the public space because we were no longer connected. So I had to do it in the public forum mm. and, and um, said, you know, hey, uh, I admitted weakness, which people generally find builds trust. I said, um, didn't really understand, you know, I'm new to this. Um, I apologize. He came back and said, um, um, thank you. Didn't really understand your methods. Appreciate you reaching out. And then all of a sudden said to his followers, good guy, give him a follow. I thanked him and said, hey, if you're ever in Columbus, um, let me know. I'd love to buy you a coffee or a beer. He said, I'm going to be in Columbus tomorrow. <laughs> so I said, okay. And we got together and, and we had coffee. Um, this guy's turned out to be a really caring and thoughtful person. I mean, he reached out to me during the COVID epidemic just to say, how are you doing? We don't see wow. each other that much, but he, but he said, I, you know, I genuinely appreciate our friendship and I just wanted to check in and see how you're doing. If I would have given into my normal instinct at a minimum to blow him off, I would have lost an opportunity for a friend and a wonderful story to share with people yeah. and listeners to say, don't just give in to how you naturally would do something. Step back and as you, as you learn this, you say, what is the best way? What's my goal? I'd like to turn this relationship around. Okay, how can I do it? What, what, what psychology can I use to maybe make this happen? And it doesn't get everybody all the time, but the more you do it, the more you find, hey, it actually works because we're talking about how people scientifically proven how they think and behave. And if we're willing to change how we communicate based on that, we can get to much better results. And I love this idea of, of really keeping the goal in mind, because I think that is really instrumental in helping us not be reactive, but responsive. Right. The reaction for you would have been really, you, you know, dropping the whole thing or going after him. The response that you had was, okay, wait a second, mm -hmm. you know, really thinking it through, bringing the temperature down and thinking yeah, about you know, what your, your goal was. And so, okay. Yeah. And it's, it's never easy because it's going against your natural grain. Yeah. However you've been raised, what you've just typically done. It's, it's no different than saying no to food that you want to eat when you're trying to lose weight. You've eaten that food forever. It's, it takes some effort, but once you start doing it, maybe you shed a few pounds, you feel a little bit better. It becomes easier over time. And as people learn about the psychology and they begin to work at it, it gets easier. Like anything else, it's a skill. And the more you work the skill, the better you get. And I would think that the, as you said, you know, the, um, like with the dieting, the, the, as you get good results, it just compels you to want to keep going down that road. Yes. My result in that case certainly set the tone for, wow, that was really cool. Can I turn this relationship around? Can I do that with this other person? And, and it let me know that it could be done. So it was really good to have success early. Uh, but, but now it, I've done that many, many times with people where my initial reaction might have been just, uh, I'm not even going to go pursue that person. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This is fascinating. I, I really, I so enjoy this conversation and I can't help uh, sort of playing through 
situations in my head and thinking, hmm, I, I, maybe I'll look at things differently moving forward with how I will uh, approach or, you know, decision make or really um, interact with, with people moving forward just to see if it makes, well, I mean, I know it will make a difference, but see the difference that it makes, let's say right. it that way. Awareness is the first step, so that's great. Yeah, yeah, wow, so valuable. I, Brian, I so appreciate you spending time with us. Will you um, let the listeners know, you know, how they can find you and what you've got going on, please? Sure. Um, anybody who wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Brian Ahern. So just look me up, put in Brian Ahern and influence and you'll find me. If you don't put a message that you heard me on the podcast, expect that you will get a message back to me asking how you found me. Mm -hmm. I like to understand why people are, are reaching out. I, I think that puts social back in social media. I like to have some banter and some back and forth when I connect with people. So reach out to me on LinkedIn. Second place would be my website, which is influencepeople.biz. And if people go out there, there's all kinds of resources. You could sign up for my blog, which I've been writing for more than a decade every single week. Uh, there are videos. I've done courses for LinkedIn. Um, I list all the podcasts I've been on. So there's just a tremendous amount of free resources available there. And then the last thing I would say, if you have listeners who are in uh, companies and you're in the, the training space or looking for that, I do workshops with uh, organizations where I go in and we go deep into this psychology. And um, quite often I'm working with people who are in positions of leadership, coaching, and sales. Boy, how valuable is that? Uh, that that's got to be just amazing to work within a company and a, and a group of people and help them, you know, really embrace this idea that that so well, valuable. Well, Diane, I, I say anytime we're interacting with another human being, psychology comes into play. I mean, yeah. you, you can't you can't interact with another person without psychology coming into play. So you might as well do what you can to understand how people typically think and how they typically behave. And if you're not so married to how you're doing things, that, that flexibility to step back and say, is there a way I can do this better? And yeah. science, science says there is. Huh? Yeah. Wow. Tremendous. Thank you again. I really so appreciate you My pleasure. spending time with us and the information and listeners. Thank you. You are who we are doing this for, and you can see that this is a really awesome topic um, at any time. I, I think it might be especially resonant right now. Uh, so um, as I thank our sponsor, audible.com, I'm also going to suggest that when you sign up for your free trial at audibletrial.com slash business growth, you check out Brian's book because th this is a pretty impactful subject that I think we can all uh, we all should be learning more about. Uh, as always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Every family vacation, my kids break into the can-can. Can we go to the theme park? Can we go to a ball game? Can we get snacks? It can get expensive. But at Red Roof, we get a great price on clean, comfortable rooms and wake up rested and ready to hit the road again. This summer, when we rest and repeat at Red Roof, staying two separate times can earn us a free night. Plus, Ready Reward members can save up to 20% with exclusive rates. Book at redroof.com. I mean, .com. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. 
Uh, what? It's uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hi, my name is Sara, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.